Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Keelan McNamara, and today we are joined by fellow MMA Island journalist Jordan Moeller. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. What's up, guys? I'm Jack Kennedy, and they hit a lot harder, in my opinion, too. Mace Martinez. He put Aldo stiff in 13 seconds before Bruce Buffer could even plant his ass in his seat. I'm Keelan McNamara. He is here to stay, and I see him being a huge problem. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Of course, let's get into it right away. So we have some great fights to review from this past fight night, as well as some news and previewing UFC 258, Usman versus Burns coming up this Saturday. Let's get right into it. Corey Sandhagen, Frankie Edgar, what's the co-main event? Could be knockout of the year. What are you guys thinking about this one? I think it could be knockout of the year for sure. Like, what more to say than wow, you know? Kind of remind me of George Masvidal's KO of Ben Askren, you know? Yeah. Both of which are going to live on highlight reels for decades to come, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Corey Sandhagen, what a statement to make. I think at 135, it's very easy to get caught up in the mix because obviously 135 is probably the most relevant it's been in the last four or five years with what's been going on. And I think after the submission loss to Aljamain, Corey kind of flew under the radar briefly for a bit. But what a way to come back. And what a way to come back against a bona fide legend like Frankie Edgar. I'm kind of sad that it happened to Frankie just because he's such a good guy and he is such a stud. But what a fantastic knockout for Corey. In my opinion, technically, it was a better knockout than Masvidal's knee. And the reason is this. If you examine how intelligent Sam Hagen fought against Edgar, he actually had to jump up and match Edgar's height and still generate that same power through his hip to smash into Edgar's face. Whereas, obviously, it's not Jorge's fault. It was an amazing KO, and it will be one of the greats that we always watch. But if you look at his fight against Ben Askren, uh, Askren's almost parallel to the canvas when he goes for the takedown. So Masvidal's able to get more power straight through his hip to knock him out more dramatically. Whereas Sandhagen just showed <laughs> some of the most amazing technical ability yeah. I've ever yeah. seen to get up that high and still generate that power. So what an amazing performance from Corey Sandhagen. I am delighted for him. He's firmly back in the spotlight now, and rest assured, he's getting the winner of Aljo Petter Jan. Yeah, com- completely agree. Just beautiful, beautiful performance. Um, I was disappointed when I saw it a little bit, not because I love Corey Sandhagen. He's someone that I'm really following. I think he is down the road going to be the future champ. I said this on a previous podcast, the way he's yeah. rebuilt himself after that loss to Aljamain Sterling. He was already a great fighter, but now coming off of two fantastic highlight reel KOs over Frankie Edgar, a legend, uh, two-time champion, one of the best to ever do it. Um, And obviously Marlon Marais, who whenever he fought him, was one of the most prolific strikers in that division as well, is beyond impressive. And I think he's ready for that rematch versus Aljamain Sterling or versus Piotr Piotr Jan, whenever, um, if he does fight him down the road. So this was just unbelievably impressive to see this. That knee... Keelan, you went all in on it. Perfect. I mean, that knee was just landed. The timing, everything about it was so perfect. And he just kind of 
Frank Yeager, I actually thought he was doing good in the first uh, 26 seconds whenever he was in there um, with the pressuring and, and the jabbing, kind of putting uh, Sanhagen on the outside. I think he was doing what he would have had to do to win, but Sanhagen is just a different animal right now. He's ready for that title shot, and that knee, he, he read the fight in that 30 seconds that he was in it. He read the fight beautifully, found that knee, landed it. I mean, it's just technically perfect, landed it, um, and, and Edgar went to sleep. And like most people, I was extremely happy for Sanhagen. I'm extremely excited for what's going to uh, happen in the future with him. But I was devastated for Frankie Edgar because he is obviously an absolute legend of the sport. Um, and it's always tough to see someone take uh, a loss like that, um, and, and, and especially that early. So that's just that's that's what I'm thinking of it. I was sad for him as well because I heard him saying after he said the ref sounded like booze and cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> oh man, too, too yeah. soon. I'm okay. Yeah, I, I, just a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah. it, was, it was definitely a very bittersweet KO because we all love yeah. Frankie Edgar and we've all grown up watching him. Like we we mentioned it last week, Jordan, with the trilogy with Gray Maynard and so many yeah. amazing fights he's been involved in. Mm-hmm. But it really was a passing of the torch and a passing of the guard. And I really can't wait to see where Corey Sanhagen takes this from here. I definitely think he's a future champion. For sure, for sure. Completely agree. Now let's segue into the main event where another legendary fighter was fighting. Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov, who looked incredible. What do you guys make of this fight? Kaylin, you got this one. <laughs> Thanks. The ref did not smell like booze and cigarettes in this one, just to be clear. <laughs> no, nah, man, Drago Volkov is back. Um, this is the most impressive I've seen him in maybe three or four years. I think the back ink has done something to Volkov. I oh, I know, the new back tattoo. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing work. And it, it was really like seeing Volkov 2.0. Um, like the Edgar fight, it was a very bittersweet KO for me to see because obviously, as we were saying last week too, you know, I'm a big Alistair Overeem guy and I really wanted to see him get that last run at the strap. But what a fantastic performance from Volkov, taking off and away from him. To come back from what he's been through, he's had quite a few losses and it's, it would obviously knock any fighter's confidence. But to come back the way he has is so impressive his boxing looked really, really good. And one of his weaknesses I highlighted last week was leaving his chin exposed in the exchanges. It looks like he's really tightened that up since his last fight. Volkov could be a real problem for the top five guys, this new and improved form. Uh, you know, as sad as I am for Overeem, very impressed with Volkov's performances. His punches were doing damage. And in terms of where I see it going for him now, it's a straight ticket to the top five. I want to see him run it back with Curtis Blades because I think he can get that W back. Um, I'd kind of like to see the Derek Lewis fight as well just because I just want to see them stand yeah. up. But if I think the most likely fight is Blades, and if he gets past Blades, expect a title shot for Drago in the very near future. Yeah, completely agree. George, you want to weigh in or you want me to go? Um, I mean, we think, I mean, we know that Reem tends to fold when pressured against the fence, you know, much like Donald Cerrone. So, I mean, like you were saying, his boxing has, or Volkov's 
boxing has improved greatly since the last couple of fights we've seen him in. So, and you know, the back tattoo, which is actually looks pretty cool compared to <laughs> most fighters we've seen to have terrible tattoos, but that's a different podcast for a different time. But, you know, like you guys were saying again, you know, last chance at a title, it's tough to see him go out that way, but he's making like $800,000 a fight. So I, you know, I wouldn't be too sad. I mean, don't want to get, you don't want to lose your fight, obviously, but at least you're getting paid. I mean, most yeah. other fighters aren't getting paid that well compared to his resume, you know? Yep. Yeah, completely agree. He looks so good, uh, Alexander Volkov. I mean, just completely re rebuilt himself in a way. His confidence, especially. I, I mean, um, that Walt Harris fight, I, I was not sure how that was going to go, especially off of coming that, that terrible loss to uh, Curtis Blades where he wasn't able to do anything for five rounds because he, had, he wasn't able to defend the takedown. Um, and in that fight, he seemed way too hesitant for me. He was kind of just sitting back and afraid of the takedown, especially as, as the fight went on. But fighting Walt Harris and then now Overeem with the new tattoo, especially, it's like he, he had to get that and, and, and gain confidence. He looks incredible. He might be the most technical striker in the heavyweight division. Um, he, he, his strikes, he, he's just the one, two, he kept, he kept landing over and over and over again. Um, and it was just beautiful. You can't argue against the stoppage. It was just Overeem was taking a beating. He was just sitting against the cage. It felt like every single little snapping punch was rocking him. And that's age. And that's, 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 um, Overeem looked a little bit slow to me, but that's just the improved game for me from Volkov. He looked incredible and he's one or two fights away now from, from a title shot. He's putting himself in that position for me. Speaking of title shot, how do you think he would do against Stipe Volkov? Oh, see, I, I, I mean, Keelan, do you want to go first or? Um, yeah, sure. I think Jordan, that's a fantastic question. Yeah. Um, just to connect this to Overeem so we can take this to how he would actually do. I think a lot of people have said online that Overeem looked very gun shy coming straight out of the blocks. I think that first one, too, that Volkov landed really shook him. Yeah. I think I don't yeah. think Overeem was expecting the boxing to have developed that well. And he was like, oh my God, this is far better than I was expecting to happen. And I think that's why he was gun shy, just to address that in case anybody was wondering. As for how he would do against any of the top three at this point, um, by top three, I'm putting Stipe and Ganu and John Jones. I think each of those three fights are amazing. Stipe, in my opinion, is the best boxer at heavyweight. I think Volkov is the second best. So you have number one v number two in the feet. And I don't, I think Stipe could maybe get it to the ground, but I think Stipe would enjoy keeping it on the feet just to prove how good of a boxer he is. Volkov would give him a decent run for his money, especially if he's as good as he was on Saturday night. Against Ngannou, I think, I actually think Volkov would have a better chance against Ngannou than he would against Miocic. And the reason I say that is obviously Ngannou's just terrifying. He's like a much bigger Melvin Manhoff. But he can punch like a freight train. Yeah. But the problem with Ngannou's technique is that there's very little technique. You know, he can throw like anything, but he leaves himself wildly open. It's a little bit like Deontay Wilder, if I had to draw a boxing comparison. And the you know, Ngannou's punches are the stuff of legend at this point, but he leaves himself open for a good two or three seconds with every punch. He sort of swings wildly. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Jairzinho Rossenstroik knockout. Yeah. He was just thrown wildly, and he's lucky. Good example. 
he did thanks and he's lucky he didn't get counter caught by Ross and strike because Miocic would have taken advantage of that but I think Volkov would give Ngannou a very good run for his money and I would favor Volkov in that fight but very interestingly the ba- the most interesting comparison that people are drawing online is how he do against John Jones and I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days and it's been sort of building and developing in my own mind John Jones for me is the most complete big fighter I've ever seen you know he can take this fight anywhere and he's just as good he as we said last week or the week before he manages distance like nobody else and I think Volkov would struggle to come to terms with that Bones's big problem has always been getting hit too easily even against, even in the Daniel Cormier fights and the Gustafson fights, and yeah. even the Moretta Santos, Hammer Santos, even the Reyes fights, Jones is only chinking his armor, is the most basic chink you can have. And that's not getting out of the way. So if he doesn't tighten that up, Volkov could be a very real problem because if he connects once or twice with that power, you know, he could really crack Jones and we could see a shock there. So Jones would really have to tighten that up in that regard, but all three would be absolutely amazing fights. One of them might give him the real advantage in. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a really good question um, right there. I actually, I don't know, Keelan, I might disagree with you a little bit on the Stipe one. I think Stipe is such a good heavyweight fighter and well-rounded. I think his wrestling would be a huge advantage in that fight. Uh, I, think yeah, I, able to, I think he'd be able to work that, and his leg kicks are very good as well. Um, and, and Volkov is such a reachy fighter. Stipe, he would like to prove a point in the boxing. I think he could, but I, I, he's smarter more, more than anything as well. So I don't think he would take as much of a risk completely just standing there because I can see anyone getting knocked out, knocked out if they're just standing there eating those one-twos. But Stipe is so good. We saw this against uh, the Nganu fight, um, the evolution over the DC tr- trilogy. He's very good at moving out of the way, circling the octagon, Getting a one and two in uh, a little combination, getting a takedown, mixing in the wrestling. He's very, very good with that and the leg kicks. I think he would be a, a very tough challenge for Volkov, especially right now. And I haven't seen what Volkov has evolved in within the wrestling. I've just seen him walk forward and maul guys recently. So I would like to see a, I like the Curtis Blades uh, rematch right now because Blades is in an awkward position because he can't fight Ngannou again because he's been knocked out twice by him um, and he's not ready for a title shot yet. The only one that you could possibly match him up with is John Jones, but John Jones is next in line for the titles fight. So he's kind of sitting in this awkward position. Now with Volkov getting this big win, I think that's a good fight to make. And then we see how much his uh, he's improved in his wrestling game. Side topic. Sorry about that. Back to how um, – he. so I think Stipe would work him a little bit. Um, I don't know. Ngannou is an interesting fight because Volkov, he tends to have his hands down a little bit. Even now, he's, he has to correct it a little bit. Overeem did land a solid punch in the first round. That was like his best strike uh, he landed the entire time. And it did set Volkov back a little bit. If Nganu lands that one punch, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to sleep. So if he has that little bit of space there, I, I, I'd still favor Nganu in that fight. But the technical striking that he possesses, especially if he can mix in the leg kicks and get out of the way, it's interesting. But I, I, Nganu's power in that fight, even though he might be taking shots to give one if it's just one little strike, if it's a hook, an uppercut, a, even a jab, it doesn't matter with Nganu, he could put people to sleep. So that one. And then John Jones is a very interesting fight for me. Um, I am very curious. I, I, obviously, John Jones is one of the best to ever do it, but 
I am fascinated to see him at heavyweight. Uh, I don't know how he's going to do against the big guys. Volkov is what? He's 6'7". He, he has to cut weight to mate 265. He's a huge guy. John Jones, I don't know if he would want to. Um, I, he'd, be, he'd be throwing his jab super high up. But that's a five-inch uh, uh, height difference, which he's never even had to think about dealing with in the UFC if they matched up. Um, that's that's just a whole nother game. Um, it's just... His takedown, I think his, his, his clinch game would be big in that, spinning elbows. That's, for me, weirdly enough, I think that's just the closest fight, and not necessarily because Volkov is the hardest fight in that division, just because of the weird matchup for me. That would be the closest fight for Volkov for me. Um, but I still kind of favor that in, in John Jones' favor. And that's just because I haven't seen Volkov completely round out his game yet. He's, on the, he's definitely on the right path. I just want to see him fight um, one more time. Jordan, do you, uh, do you, I mean, obviously you asked the question. What, what are you thinking? Um, I mean, I think Ngannou, as far as him fighting Stipe for this rematch while we're on yeah. the subject, um, right. <clears throat> I know he, uh, you were saying when he fought Rosenstruck, he was just kind of, you know, swinging haymakers. But, um, again, that leaves you open for takedowns as well. And we yes. saw what happened in the yep. first fight with Stipe and Ngannou. Like, he got wrestle-fucked, you know, on the fucking floor on here. I'm sorry. No, no, yeah, it's explicit. Um, yeah, we're good. We're not but, yeah, he got, he got out-wrestled and such. Um which I think it might happen to Vol uh, Volkov too if they fight. You said he keeps his hands low, but you know if he keep you know Volkov's what he's how taller than he is uh, than Stipe. Stipe's what six two I think six three. Uh yeah. So I I actually I think he's six four. I think he's the same height as uh Jones. There's a three inch height difference. I think. Okay, um, so it wouldn't be too much out of the question. Like I mean, I think Stipe would still have to be have his hands up a little higher <laughs> yeah. just to get up. Yeah. You know reach up there but still like if volkov you know if he keeps his hands up then he'll probably end up getting taken down as well you know yep. as well yep. with that whole thing um have we seen volkov really wrestle i mean obviously we saw his boxing but when's the last time we saw him his blades was the last time wrestle okay um been a while since i've seen that fight um what was the other one we saw yeah we saw him we saw Ngannou get uh, out-wrestled. And then who else? Uh, Jones. Jones and Volkov would be a good fight. I think Jones needs to use his wrestling as well because yeah. I don't think we've really yeah. seen him use wrestling. I mean, most of the last fights we've seen him, he, you know, people just try to, you know, go for the knockout every time. When we saw Ray's try to, you know, put it to him, knock him out. And coincidentally enough, I believe that fight was a year ago today. If somebody wants to look it that was. up. It so, was. It was, yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, good fight. Um which is weird because Dre's next fight, you know, he got pretty much out hammered by uh, Jan. So it was kind of weird. Like he'll put it to yeah. Jones and then it's completely different, you know, MMA math. So exactly. Yep. Exactly. But I'll let you uh, go to the next subject. I believe the uh, Diego Sanchez and Cowboy Cerrone fight. Correct. That's right. That's right. We just had Diego Sanchez on two absolute legends. And what is going to be, at least he's saying it's going to be, we don't know officially, Diego Sanchez's uh, his retirement fight against Donald Cerrone. Um, what do you guys think about this one? I think it's it's a, it's a good matchup. I mean, honestly, I hope it ends with a finish just to show these guys still have it. Yeah. Um, I think they. I mean, it'd probably be good rest. A good mix of stand up and wrestling. I mean, we've seen Cowboy. He's got that a uh, lot of good Muay Thai and boxing, and then Diego Sanchez. I mean, we've seen him getting some more so. Could be a back and forth, or you know, it could be gun shy the entire match. We've seen that happen too. So 
could be anybody's game, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, it's actually quite a nice fight to see made for Diego because obviously Diego and Donald have been two legends of 55 and 70 and they've both had their runs pretty much parallel to each other in the company. So it's kind of fitting that if this is the end, they ended at this point. Um, I actually think it is a very good matchup because Diego's striking has always been intense, to say the least. And he's always been quite a decent wrestler against the cage too. But that's where Donald Cerrone likes to work quite a lot of the time as well. Like whenever he fought, I think he fought Darren Till in Poland in a fight night. And obviously Darren Till did win that fight. But yeah. Cerrone was doing some decent work up against the cage, obviously when he was up at 70. So I think it's a really, really good fight. I think Jordan makes a good point to see if it's not that I want to see either guy finished because I have so much love for both of them. But a finish would really show that they both do still have it and they both do still belong. They're not there because of sentimentality, but they're there because they deserve to be there. But I'd expect them both to go out and put on a really good show. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the perfect matchup. Uh, two, two legends going at it. I don't really want to see either of these guys go up against an up-and-coming contender just because of their where their chin is at right now and uh, – just the, the the it's just age and, and and your fight age is kind of what I say. How long have you been fighting? Both of these guys have been fighting at the highest level in the UFC for a long, long time. Again, utmost respect for both of these men. Um, Cowboy, I think he's looking out, going out there to kind of prove something because he's been on a bit of a skid, uh, and he 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 thinks he can fight uh, more and, and longer. Um, Diego Sanchez, uh, apparently this is, is uh, going away um, fight. It's a good matchup. It's a good matchup. Uh, Jordan, you made a great point. Uh, they, it's either, I think with these guys, there's no in between. It's either they're going to go completely nuts at each other or they're going to be a little bit more respectful, tentative, and just kind of feel out the fight. Um, either way, I think we're in for a good one. It, it, whenever you're watching these two guys match up, you know it's going to be high-level MMA, even at their age. Um, you can really learn something from these guys fighting. And I'm excited to see what Diego Sanchez has to offer, especially at this point in his career with his new, uh, his new coach. He's always doing something different. Uh, and, and Cowboy, he's going out there, and I think he's looking for a finish in this fight. So it should be a good one. For me overall, though, and I, I, I kind of just hinted on this, it's the perfect matchup for Diego Sanchez's final fight. And also, I think, for Cowboy at this point in his career as well. Do we know if it's a three-round or is it a five-round? Like, is it headlining a fight night? I think it's three round. Um, I think it's like a co-main event or something, but it could I, it could be a five round. I, I believe it's three though. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to the final segment we have on this podcast. UFC 258 is coming up. I believe it is this Saturday. Uh, a lot of good fights on that card. Headlined by a fantastic welterweight main event. Usman versus Burns. Former training partners. A lot of stuff going into this one. What are you guys thinking? I think Gilbert has to stay just outside of Usman's six-inch reach advantage. Um, yeah. Personally, I believe that Burns is going to out-wrestle him and then try to wear him down and then maybe finish him standing with a KO, but that's just my prediction. But, you know, like I said, anything can happen in the fight game. Yeah, this is going to be an absolutely incredible fight. You know, these are probably, I think outside of the Covington fight, these are the two most evenly matched welterweights that are in the division right now. And 
I expect this to be a fight of the year contender. That's how highly I rate Gilbert Burns. It's actually really funny. Last week, I was re-watching the Colby Covington fight. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you could make the very serious argument that even though everybody has their own opinions by Covington, you could argue he was winning on points with that job going forward and clinching. And I see Gilbert Burns as a better Colby Covington. I think what really impressed me about Gilbert Burns is not just the run that he's on, but the performance against Tyron Woodley. I mean, um, as we discussed a few weeks ago, granted it's not the same Tyron Woodley, but you know Gilbert Burns went out there in the Apex Performance Center and just blitzed through him for five rounds straight. I think at least two or three of those rounds could have been a 10-7, let alone a 10-8. And, you know, he, he looked like he really wanted to prove a point against Woodley, and the fight could have been stopped one or two different times. I expect him to go out and take it to Kamaru Usman. Usman's shown that he doesn't really like to fight in the back foot. He likes using that sort of reputation of his great wrestling to make his opponents back up, press them against the cage, get them down and damage them. Gilbert Burns is not going to be afraid of Kamaru Usman. He's going to meet him in the middle of the octagon and he's going to push forward. And I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. In terms of who I see winning, a part of me is actually leaning towards Gilbert Burns because I think he's got absolutely incredible punching power and Kamaru Usman's boxing defense is not great. Yeah, I mean, Colby Covington, just to bring it back to the most relevant example... Colby Covington punches for pressure. He doesn't punch for power. He punches to stop you counter-punching or counter-wrestling. And he was doing damage to Usman. Like, not fight-ending damage, but he was, you know, piecing him up here and there. If Gilbert Burns lands one or two punches, Usman's in trouble. Because Gilbert Burns is arguably the hardest power-punching welterweight in the division right now. We saw what he did to Damian Maya. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. absolutely iced him. And if he lands one or two hooks on Usman, especially against the cage, Usman might not have anywhere to go. And if Gilbert Burns gets into the body shots and mixing it up to the head and the body, Usman could be in very serious trouble if this goes Gilbert Burns' way. Now, of course, on the other side of that, Kamaru Usman's a freakishly good wrestler. I can't tell you how many times we've seen how good he is. Yeah. If... if to me, round one's going to determine who wins this fight. And it's going to determine who can impose their game first and who can impose it the strongest. If Usman gets to the middle of the octagon and he gets some wrestling going, if he's able to get a takedown and he's able to get some punches going on the ground, I don't think he'll step off the gas from there. And, you know, he's shown a very good ability to maintain pace and discipline. And I don't think he would let that go from there either. He's too good and he's too experienced. Now, that being said, and, you know, I think I've outlined the case for Gilbert Burns pretty well here. If Gilbert Burns gets to the middle of the octagon, if he lands something early and he's able to impose his wrestling, and in my opinion, Gilbert Burns is just as good of a wrestler as Usman, and he's a far better puncher than Covington, then Usman could be in for a long night. Because if he lands... Like, make no mistake, whenever I saw the Covington-Usman fight, I was never scared of Usman getting knocked out because Covington doesn't punch forward knockout power. Yeah. If I see Burns land a decent punch or two, I will, I will be thinking 
that he could land and kill him in there. So and it's going to be an amazing fight either way. Uh, two guys with very, very similar styles. One, I think, is far more dangerous in the feet than the other. But if it goes to the ground, I think they'll neutralize each other very effectively. So it's going to be an amazing fight. And either guy could take this on the night. Yeah, I am very excited. What what I'm kind of thinking about this fight is, and what, what I've seen happen, especially in this welterweight division before, is sometimes a champion, especially if they have elite wrestling, will get kind of complacent and happy and, and, and not really go for the finish or or go to completely dominate a fight because they, they know they can just kind of win it with their wrestling. We saw that with Tyron Woodley for a long time. Now, most recently, we saw that with Usman versus Masvidal. Now, granted, that was a short-notice fight, but he really didn't show any movement to advance in that fight. He was con- content with just standing on and pressuring Masvidal on the octagon and just foot stomping him for the entire time. Uh, he couldn't even really, Masvidal's takedown defense, he couldn't even really drag him to the ground that many times. And whenever they did separate, to Keelan's great point, Masvidal was cracking him a few times. Like the two punches he could land, he was actually landing him. So his stand-up is not that great. Um, especially if he's okay with just kind of like controlling fighters using their wrestling, fighting a guy like Gilbert Burns, you are not going to be able to do that. My perfect comparison is Tyron Woodley. He was getting uh, okay with just pressing guys and, and, and sitting back and everything. Then he fought Kamaru Usman, great wrestler, neutralizes that. And then Kamaru Usman, the uh, hungry fighter, is going forward. Then what does Tyron Woodley do? His only natural response is to shoot for a takedown. You can't do that whenever you're facing a guy like that. Usman could be in a very similar situation here. Uh, Burns has great stand-up compared to uh, Usman. Uh, he, he, he mixes up very well. He always brings the pressure. I think the takedown could almost be neutralized in this fight. I think Usman, I would give him the favor in, in the wrestling. But Burns is so tricky and, 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 and difficult to get down that even if he does get taken down, I don't see him just holding him there. He, I also think he has better uh, a better ground game as well, Gilbert Burns, than Kamar Usman, um, which is also dangerous if Usman is just content to stay in his guard. That could be a dangerous spot for him as well. I think he's always going to be moving. Cardio is not a pro- problem for either of these guys, so they're going to be going for the full um, 25 minutes. And again, I think it comes down to that stand-up. If Usman is pressed against the cage completely, he can't really circle out or anything, and Burns is landing shots, what does he do? Shoot for a takedown? At that point, Burns stuffs it. That could be he could be in a world of trouble there. I'm leaning towards Burns, uh, and I, he is he is an underdog for this fight, which is interesting. The odds are a lot closer than most other uh, Usman fights, but if Usman gets a little bit too confident in there, thinks he can just out wrestle anybody, Burns could be uh, that could be a long night for him. That's kind of what I'm thinking. How many takedowns do you think will be landed in the fight between the both of them? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking I'm, – I'm actually thinking not too many. I think um, – I don't know, maybe four. Maybe four. Definitely less than five between them. I actually think um, – I'll just make a quick point here because – Hey, yeah, you're good. Hey, Jack? No, you're good. Go for yeah. it. Um, I actually think you make an excellent point. Generally, whenever two wrestlers fight each other, especially at this level, they tend to just – accept that they're going to neutralize each other and just stand them bang. And Usman cannot afford to do this against Gilbert Burns because I, th- I think we 
Jordan actually made an excellent point in reference in the Demi and Maya fight, which was three or four fights ago for Gilbert Burns now. Gilbert Burns is not a traditional wrestler with an overhand, as Conor McGregor described Eddie Alvarez. He's a very, very clever boxer. He's very good at switching and throwing feints. And when he fought Demi and Maya, I think he was boxing out of southpaw. And he feigned to go for the right to the body. And then he brought the left hook over. And Demi and Maya was in the third dimension at that point. And be very, very clear, this could happen to Kamaru Usman as well. Because Usman's a dominant wrestler, but I don't rate his stand-up game brilliantly. Aside from his foot stomps against Masvidal, that's a <laughs> argument. Top level. Yeah, if, if Gilbert Burns, especially if he starts landing to the body and Usman's hurt, your natural instinct is to protect your body because that will cripple you. And if he feigns effectively and lands one of those hands, Usman could very, very well be in real trouble. And I do think the arrogance and comfort argument's a very good argument as well, Jack. It tends to be very prevalent in welterweight for some reason. I think whenever you get to be the king of the mountain and you've dominantly disposed the guy before, there seems to be a very, very real comfort with just coasting and being willing to just take the win however you can get it and Gilbert Burns is not that man he is a machine yeah you can tell he wants to rip through everybody in top five and top ten and if he beats Usman which is a real possibility I think he might very well do that because Tyron Woodley obviously was on an excellent run but he got comfortable and there were a lot of his fights he was just very comfortable getting through Usman, I think towards the end, got a little bit lucky in the Covington fight because I think he expected after round one, right, lost that two, three. And then I think by round four, Usman realized, right, I've got to start doing something here. And as you notice from round four onwards, he comes out with a lot more urgency. And if he didn't land that shot that knocked Covington down the first time, Colby Covington could well be the champion right now. And I actually would like to see that fight run back again to see how it goes the second time. Yeah. But, you know, Gilbert Burns, I think, is a very good possibility here this weekend. You know, he is not going to hit the brakes in this at any point. Even if he's battered and bruised, he's going to come out and he's going to keep running and running and running. And Usman's got to be prepared for that. Yeah. To Tyron Woodley's credit, um, he did manage to sub Darren Till, which is something uh, he hadn't done since uh, Strike Force, as far as landing the or finishing with a submission. So, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that one. Yeah, 100%. That's true. Dill, um, I believe Darren Till has improved his grind game quite considerably, too. So he's learned from that as well. But an excellent point. I did briefly forget about that as well. Yeah, completely agree. Well, uh, I think that'll do it for this podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. We are there. Um, follow us on Instagram at MMA Island and check out all of our work, especially Jordan joining us today on MMAisland.net on our website. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. And great podcast, guys. Thanks again for having me, guys. Great to have you with us, man. Peace. Awesome.